Welcome to Cowboy Ed, where we saddle up and ride across the prairie talking all things education. And today we are so lucky and excited to have a cowboy we just found out on the trail to talk to us. But before we get to that, how you doing out there, Maya? Doing great. Sun's shining, horses saddled up and ready to go. Well, that is wonderful. Most of our, our listeners are coming off of spring break, and so we thought we needed we needed that high energy after spring break kind of conversation to to keep us all headed towards the end of the school year. So today we are so lucky to have Mark Perna with us, an author but a speaker, an expert on Generation Z. How you doing out there, Mark? James, doing great. Maya, great. It's an honor to be with you uh, both today and with our audience. So I'm I'm pumped about that. I'm excited. Well, Mark, we have talked about a lot of things, especially this year, uh, facing students. We've interviewed lots of students and, and teachers and, you know, sub-issues and how we... So here, let's just throw the big one out on the table here as far as big question for you. What's one of the biggest issues you feel yourself talking about when you talk to educators right now? Well, in talking, it's a great question. In talking to educators, it's it's really about trying to understand Gen Z. You know, it's, you know, what do they think? What makes them tick? You know, why do they make the decisions they make? And why in many parts of the country today is it so challenging to try to connect, engage, and answer why for them? Um, and so, you know, and, and James, I, you know, I have to start off with a, with a very simple premise because, you know, a lot of people when I talk, you know, because I'm a generational expert is my resting pulse. Um, and, I, and I really have to say that, you know, young people today get a bad rap in many cases across the country. You know, I can't speak specifically to, to all the things that are going on in Wyoming, but I can say everywhere I've been across the country, you know, a lot of people have a very negative view of young people today. You know, maybe you've heard some of these things that they're lazy or they're entitled, you know, kinds of things like that. And I have to be on record saying I go completely the other way. I think young people today in this country are the most extraordinary generations to come down the pike. I think they're the most intelligent, resourceful and pitbull like generations that we have ever seen in this country. When they see a want to in their life, something they truly want, they will move heaven and earth to get to that want to. Our challenge as parents, educators, and employers is getting them to want something. That's where the battlefield of the future is because the ones who don't want anything are the ones who are standing still and they're not moving forward in their journey. The ones who do see something they want, what I call active purpose, they're the ones who are stepping forward. So I think that's the number one thing I'm asked to speak about. I, I do 80 to 85 keynote speeches a year across North America. And as I speak to you know parents, educators, employers, that's the number one thing everybody wants is what are they thinking? What makes them tick? And why are they you know, seemingly feral all across the country today you know, after this, uh, you know, this pandemic and all the issues and challenges we've seemed to have with them? Well, Mark, I am super excited to have you on with us today and to talk about Gen Z and maybe just back up a little bit. Who is Gen Z? Well, Gen Z goes from eight to 25 years old. So quite frankly, you know, uh, Maya, they are at, they're in all our homes, they're in all our classrooms, and frankly, they're now out in the business world. So, you know, so employers are dealing with them, teachers at every grade level are dealing with them. Uh, and, and we as parents, they're the, they're the ones who are inhabiting, you know, our, our homes and we're trying to figure out, you know, how, how best to deal with them. Awesome. Thank you. For teachers, then that's pretty much any student, any teacher is teaching right now for talking about that age range. 
And you were talking about how to get them to want to do something. And, you know, that idea of motivating students in the classroom is really intriguing. I spend a lot of time with teenagers. I actually really love teenagers. And I'm right there with you with this generation is amazing. Their leadership skills impress me on a daily basis, right? How they're able to bring each other together to get things accomplished. And they don't really need that adult helping them along the way. They're able to figure out a lot of things. So I kind of want to get right into the meat of what you're talking about. And so those ones that aren't jumping right in, how do you get them to want to do something? Well, again, it all starts with purpose. You know, they have to have a reason why they're doing anything. Uh, if they don't know why, you know, or what the purpose is behind anything from a specific class or a specific task you've asked them to accomplish, they have to understand how does this fit into the bigger picture and why is this meaningful? If it's not meaningful, you know, they have the ability at this point because of, you know, all the technology they have and how connected they are to each other and the world, you know, around them is they have the ability to kind of say, hey, look, that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that uh, because they have to have a reason and one of the other big things, and I, I you know, I, I love, you know, Maya, what you just said in regards to, you know, how, how do we really connect with, with these young people today? Because it all really starts with the connection. And, you know, what I talk about around the country is the human connection that is necessary to move Gen Z forward. They have to have a human connection. And I'm talking eye to eye, belly to belly, they have to be able to feel that respect, that trust, that faith, that everything that, that you know, an older person or whoever's asking them to do something or requiring them to do something, they have to have that human connection. And unfortunately, you know, the reason that a, that a lot of our school systems today are, are struggling across America is that that human connection has been sacrificed in many parts of the country. Now, I'm not saying with you or with James or with, you know, with some of the people who are listening, you know, around the state of Wyoming, but I'm saying in many parts of this country today, the human connection has really been sacrificed because we have loaded up our administrators, our teachers, our counselors with lots of stuff that we're asking them to do. And what's happened is the bandwidth to be able to deliver the human connection has been sacrificed in many of our classrooms across the country. And Gen Z is the first generation in history that requires a human connection in order to be able to move forward. So at a time where it was kind of like a perfect storm brewing here at, a, at, at this time in history, where there's a group of kids who need the human connection. And then we've, we've kind of made it very difficult and hamstrung a lot of our teachers across America today to have the time and availability to be able to connect, engage, and answer why with that human connection. So, you know, some of that is creating, you know, some, some challenges across America today. Well, Mark, you definitely bring up a powerful point in the sense of any, any great teacher knows it's all about relationships, but unfortunately, most teachers on their evaluations don't see any a relationship uh, component they see, you know, how are kids, how are we teaching standards, how are we doing those things. And so you bring up such an important point that, that there are those relationships, we can't, we can't lose that, we can't lose those sites. And on, on my side, I, I work with some teachers on helping them understand how to work computer science and work technology into their classroom. And I always tell them, don't try to beat a computer. Uh, because you're never going to. You you have to be who we are, and we're people, and we're relationships, and and that's that's such an important point for our listeners to hear. I'm going to take our horses just a little little different direction here. 
So I, I know you, you've talked about stimulation, and this generation thrives on stimulation. And so it, there's kind of this counter, you know, argument here in the sense of, well, if I'm a teacher and I do this amazing, great lesson plan, my lessons, I, and I'm like continually changing it like a TikTok video for them and, and stimulating them, is that the key? But Or is it the, the, the other person on the other side saying, well, research or, or whatnot, our kids need less stimulation. They need more downtime. They need more focus time. How... Uh, I, I threw kind of a podge podge at you. What do you think about that? <laughs> James, I, I, you know, that, that probably puts me a smidge outside my typical lane because what you're asking for is more of a psychological connection to, you know, the difference between stimulation and, you know, reflective thought process. And, and I'm not sure I'm the right person to answer that particular question, um, you know, but when it comes down to, you know, students being engaged in the process, um, you know, I think stimulation is important, but it's, but again, it can't be all or nothing in anything with this generation. It, it, and stimulation is going to be relevant and related directly to the purpose involved in what they're learning and how that means something viable in their life. So, you know, I, I, to me, the stimulation has to be in, why is this relevant? What's the big picture? How can I use this? How can this help me create a competitive advantage in my life? How can I use what I'm about to learn and expand beyond this in the, you know, in the lifestyle journey that I want to, you know, to want to take in my life? Um, because between lifestyle and career and all of these different, you know, things that young people are dealing with today, there is nothing more important than lifestyle. If you want to connect, engage, and answer why for them, you have to recognize the importance of lifestyle and that every decision a young person makes today is based on how it affects their lifestyle. Career has become a lifestyle decision. So, you know, questions I love to ask young people at any level of engagement with young people is what do you love to do and what do you do well? You know, what do you love to do and what do you do well? And that question allows you to understand kind of the scope and, you know, of where they sit in that lifestyle. So stimulation to me comes from how does anything you're asking me to do or what do you want me to learn or how do you want me to apply this or how is this relevant to my journey has to connect back to lifestyle. So you can create, you know, the, the stimulus to, to make that connection with them. But then also I'm a big fan of, of reflective moments so that they can take the things that they've learned and how do they apply that to their journey. Uh, what I call the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, the light at the end of the tunnel is a simple concept. What does their career and lifestyle look like or anything they want at the light at the end of their tunnel? The tunnel, well, that's the time they spend with us in education, right? It's the work, the labor, the effort, the skill development, the academic rigor. It's everything that's necessary for them to feel comfortable taking a step and then another step and another step. And we have far too many kids today standing still in the tunnel because they don't see a light at the end of the tunnel for themselves. So to me, you know, stimulating them or what I call connecting, engaging and answering why helps them see the relevance to taking the step. And I think that's when you come down on that perspective with young people today, we're going to move more of them forward and, and kind of shift them from what I call static purpose to active purpose and active purpose allows them to take those steps freely based on their own unique interests, talents and abilities. But we have to connect the dots to that. And to me, that's what becomes stimulating. So, Mark, I'm really just thinking deeply about what you've been saying and, and thinking about that from a teacher's perspective in the classroom. You know, I'm a huge proponent of student voice and 
helping them become a part of the learning process in the classroom. And, you know, so immediately I'm like, well, okay, that's easy. You have the students, you know, tell the teacher what they want to do and where they're excited and what, you know, they're interested in. And you bring that voice to your classroom. But the practical side of teaching is that doesn't work all the time because our curriculums are prescribed. And as teachers were responsible for teaching, you know, X, Y, Z at any at any particular grade level or curriculum or, you know, subject area or whatever. And so I'm thinking about how complicated this could be for a teacher to connect, you know, what you're talking about in making those human connections and having the connect, engage and answer why component. Um, to really bring Gen Z into, you know, that educational process when you have to attend to all the curriculum that's, that's prescribed for us. So I'm wondering if you have strategies that you've seen work or things that, you know, or places we could point teachers to really get down to the, like, how do they make that engagement happen with their students? Hey, Maya, that's a that's a great question. And I'm not sure I've got, you know, a, a fantastic place to send them because I think everybody is trying to deal with where kids are today. I, you know, when it comes to, you know, I'm a generational expert. I am not a teaching in the classroom expert. Um, and I don't ever, you know, prescribe myself as such. Um, but I understand what young people think and what makes them tick. And so what I what I do is I, I try to help teachers reflect on here's who they are, here's why they are where they are, and how do we now adapt at the tactical level in the classroom accordingly? Um, you know, so I am a, I'm a big fan of making sure that, that young people understand where this is all going and how it fits in. And even some of that can be general. It doesn't have to be specific to each individual, but they have to be able to, to recognize the journey of how this somehow fits in. I, I, you know, I, I've, I've spoken to lots of teaching staffs and, and I ask a very simple question. So no matter what you're teaching, ask the simple question of why would anyone take this? And I realized that some things are, you know, are prescribed, some things are, you know, non-negotiable, you have to take these kinds of things, you know, the prerequisites. And I understand that there's a lot of that going on in education. There's a ton of that going on in education, but you still have to explain why it's important. I mean, how many times have we all heard someone, uh, you know, a young person say, well, why do I have to take this? Like, why is this important? Like why? And, and I realized that they can be a prerequisite and someone has to take it. But the answer can't be, but it's a prerequisite and you have to take it. There has to be, how is this relevant? And so the question that, that has to somehow be answered, you know, reflectively in every single, you know, course matter subject has to be, why would anyone do this? And we have to come up with a good answer to that. And I can't come up with that for every single, you know, course of study out there. So each, you know, each teacher has to come up with an answer to that question. And if it's a difficult answer, you can appreciate why then students have a difficult time answering that question. Because if we as adults and educators can't answer the question, it's gonna to be tough for the kids to answer it. The answer cannot for them be connected to, well, you just have to take it. It's just the way it is. That's not a good enough answer to why they should put effort into it. So I think we always have to be 
um, you know, cautious how we're connecting to the relevance and the purpose in all of this and how it works. And I'm trying to work at, you know, higher levels within education so that we are kind of reshaping to some degree around the country and recognizing that the world's in a completely different place today. And we have to adapt our educational prerequisites and things that we're, we're working towards in a very different way. For instance, you know, academic knowledge and academic pursuits were incredibly important, and it has been for the past 50 years and beyond. Um, it's not enough anymore to just be academically um, you know, astute. You also need technical competencies and professional skills in order to be able to bring this whole package together for young people. And all of that has to, has to come into, into play. Well, thank you. I want to repeat one thing that you said early on in your comment was, I think, really the answer to my question about that reflective practice of teachers, right? They need to self-analyze what they're doing, why they're doing it. And I was interpreting, interpreting that as bringing their expertise into their craft, right? And really relying on those skills they have as teachers to not only make the connections with their students, but to evaluate the things that they're doing in that space and the perspective of their audience, right? That Gen Z um, student that they're working with. So Mark, when you, when you were talking about, you know, know the why in that sense, I, it just cracks me up because I, I as you talk to teachers off, I mean, some of the worst students, in a professional development situation, in an educational situation, our teachers. I know where you're going with this. Yeah. <laughs> Doctors make the worst patients and sometimes teachers can make the worst professional development. For sure. I mean, in a in a professional development, if they don't truly understand and buy into the why, they're planning lunch and ordering things and shopping online. I mean, they're distracted and, and then they're annoyed with it afterwards. Like, why do we have to waste? I could have just spent, you know, the last six hours sitting in my room. And, and, you, and you think about that, how easy it is for us to identify it personally. That's, you know, I want to know what, why we're doing this professional development, why we're doing this new training, why we're, but we don't hand that off to our kids, our students in that same way. So it, it's just, as, as you listen to it, it's, it's easy to say, but it, it's, it maybe it goes back to what Maya was, was talking about with the reflective practice, really stopping and thinking your question would, I mean, would I sit in my own class? Because if I wouldn't, then why are we torturing? <laughs> why are we punishing these kids? It's, it's, it's such a great point. And, and to be fair, you know, I even joked when you started that, you know, that I said, you know, doctors, that, you know, doctors in theory make the worst patients and sometimes teachers make the worst, you know, educational audience. And I said, and, and, and but I need to be, be you know, very fair here. Um, a lot of professional development isn't good. A lot of professional development in our school systems today around the country, it's, it's boring. It may not be as thoughtful and as intentional as it could be. It may not be as uh, stimulating to pick Maya's word, right? It may not be all these things. And I think sometimes we demonstrate to teachers in professional development that which we're trying to get our teachers not to do. Um, you know, when I do professional development, I always inspire teachers and I always, you know, I, I always, you know, do an evaluation at the end of every professional development and every keynote speech I deliver across the country. I am always asking an audience, you know, what were the aha moments and, you know, how would you explain this to someone else who, had, who didn't see this? And usually it's pretty extraordinary. I've got thousands and thousands and thousands of, of incredible testimonials from teachers and stuff. But I practice exactly what I preach. When I give a, a keynote speech, I always start off 
right at the beginning with really what the light at the end of the tunnel is for the hour, 90 minutes, two hours that I'm going to speak. And I get people to buy in immediately with here's the outcome, here's what we're doing, and here's where we're going, and boom, boom, boom. And I make it you know enticing and stimulating and exciting and and uh, and you know as robust as I can possibly make it for the staff, dynamic, inspirational, and actionable. You know how can you use this? How does this change the game? And what I try to do really is practice what I'm preaching and what we need to do in a classroom, what we need to do in employment, what we need to do in our homes. If you want to connect, engage, and answer why for the young people in your sphere of influence, you have to be able to gain their attention. You have to be able to to get them to understand why is this valuable? How is it relevant? How will I use this? How will I connect it? Whether it's a prerequisite or not. So I I loved your your point, James, because it's it's so accurate. And and that's why professional development has to take a step up in this country as well, because it, it can no longer simply be, hey, okay, you know, uh, you know, we're going to give professional development where, a, you know, if let's, let's face it, if a teacher is compelled and it's compa- because it's compelling, they won't be, you know, shopping on Amazon um, and trying to, trying to buy stuff and sitting there with their arms crossed. I love what my, one of my favorite things to do is to walk into a staff and they have no idea who I am. Um, and so whether virtually or in person, either one, I can just see on their faces, they would rather be getting a root canal than listening to me. <laughs> I can see it. I can see it in their face. And I love in the span of an hour, 90 minutes or two hours to totally swing them to fully engaged. But that's what we have to be doing day in and day out with kids. So Mark, what I think you're describing is actually that model for teachers, right? So I teach pre-service teachers and they have that memory of of their teachers growing up and coming in and college is not the same as high school. And so, you know, the technology class is really designed to really be like a high school class, right? How are some of these things that you would do, you know, with students in high school or elementary or middle school? And what would that look like? Because they need that modeling. And what I'm hearing you talk about is exactly that, you know, from that PD perspective. And I'm engaging some of that reflective process as you're talking, thinking the PD that I have online that I work with here at the university is maybe not in that same mode of, you know, engagement. It's that information here you go, here's what you need. Now take your, you know, teacher knowledge and make this wonderful out in the classroom. But it doesn't help them do that work. And so thinking about those conversations in bringing them to Gen Z as the student, I think it's that same process. And so I kind of want your opinion here. In thinking about changing what I do in the classroom to engage with those students um, in a way that models or mirrors their, you know, society, their life, those those goals, those visions that they have for outside the classroom. And so I don't know, am I just like my horse is way over here in the sagebrush or am I kind of following along? No, I, I, well, I can't speak to exactly where your horse is, but <laughs> I can speak to that. <laughs> That no, I you know I I mean I think you're starting I, you're going down the right path you know um, and and I you know I would I would maybe tack on you know one piece is there is there has to be a transfer of enthusiasm to me that's a game changer 
and I know this may sound pretty darn intuitive or it might sound pretty darn simple, but it, and because it is, is that there has to be a transfer of enthusiasm, meaning from teacher to student, from parents to, to son or daughter, to, from, uh, you know, to their kids, um, from an employer to an employee. There has to be a transfer of enthusiasm, meaning you don't have to be you know, extroverted to transfer your enthusiasm. But if you talk to any young person today at any level of education, they will tell you the teachers they like. They will tell you the subjects they like. And I, my guess is, is that a highly, an incredibly high percentage of the time, it's a teacher who has and delivers a transfer of enthusiasm for their, for their subject matter expertise. Um, they're excited about it. They're happy to talk about it. You can see it in the way that they, you know, that they speak about their subject matter. They're merely not giving information, but they are sharing part of their excitement for it. And that excitement doesn't have to be outwardly, woo, you know, that kind of excitement. It can be a quiet intensity of excitement. And if you can deliver, anyone can deliver a transfer of enthusiasm through the conduit of a human connection, it's game changing. It is absolutely game changing because I talk to kids across this country and I'm always asking them, you know, like, you know, have you ever taken a class or a subject at any level of education where you could choose, um, which is mostly high school and, and you know, young adult, um, where you could choose and you chose a teacher to learn something that you didn't need in your life? You know, like you didn't need the subject. Like there was nothing really, you know, earth shattering about the subject matter that you chose. And every kid goes, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm like, why did you do that? Because I really like that teacher. That teacher, you know, has a really, they're really enthusiastic about what they teach. That's what kids want. Kids want to learn from somebody who's enthusiastic about what they're teaching, whether they need it or not. They want that. Transfer of enthusiasm through the conduit of a human connection is a game-changing philosophy. It sounds ridiculously simple, but it's part of the crux of changing that. Because when I think back to the teachers who meant something to me, quite frankly, they were the ones who were hardest on me and they were hard on me, but I knew they loved me. I knew they would climb the mountain with me. And I knew they cared enough to be able to transfer what they were excited about. And those are the ones who meant all the world to me. And we've lost that because we've, we've kind of hamstrung our teachers and our, our administrators and our counselors today by giving them so much busy work to do that they have lost the ability to truly make that connection and deliver that transfer of enthusiasm. Well, Mark, you bring up such an awesome point with the transfer of enthusiasm. I, I think for our administrators out there listening and maybe, you know, our parents and board members, if they, if they drop in and listen to this, that enthusiasm is, is allowing each of, the, each of the parts of this puzzle to do what they're good at. And so our administrators need to share their enthusiasm with taking and, and dealing with a lot of the you know, school structure type pieces while the teachers take their enthusiasm and become those, those people that climb the mountain with our students, as, as you said. So, whoo, these, this, this ride's been amazing and fun and fast and furious and all those things. But I, I just, before we, we end, I, I want to give Mark a chance to, to share with how to, how to reach him. If you want more, if you want him to come in, if you want him to talk such, we, we just got like a little snapshot, but you can just feel the enthusiasm. The horses, we, I've had that hands on the rain the whole time because they just wanted to get away. But Mark, thank you for joining us. And, and how do people find you? James, thank you. Uh, it has been such an honor to be with you and Maya, um, and I appreciate you uh, so much and what you're doing at the tactical level and all the teachers who are listening to me. 
you know, if no one has thanked you recently, thank you so much for what you're doing at the tactical level in the classroom at one of the toughest times in American educational history. And, and I just want you to know that the things you're doing are truly making a difference. If anyone would like to reach out to me or learn more about what I'm doing, you can simply go to my website at markcperna.com. C is my middle initial. So it's M-A-R-K-C, P is in Peter, E-R-N-A. So markcperna.com. You can uh, see all the places that I'm speaking around the country coming up. Plus, you can get a lot of free resources and things that are there. You can learn about my book, Answering Why, um, which has won eight national book awards and uh, is a number one bestseller or has been a number one bestseller. It's not the number one now, but it was for a time. And that was very exciting. So I appreciate, uh, appreciate you asking that question, James. Thank you, Mark. And yeah, you know what? Let's head them up. Move them on. Move them on. Head them up. Head him up. Move him on. Cowboy Ed. On the run. Raw high.